Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And I said, um, I, don't, I don't really have a strategy. Uh, or I guess my strategy was that... Um, I keep doing what I did before and just um, because I'd owned a home with my parents, I found that, uh, you know, we're just getting ahead and I could pay off my own home eventually. And that was, that was it. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors, find out more about their stories, mindset and strategy. I'm Tyron Shum. And in this episode on Property Investory, we continue the conversation with real estate agent Walter Nanny, who has devised a clever strategy for purchasing properties as investments, discover why flipping properties aren't his cup of tea and how placing all his eggs in one basket has actually paid off for him in the long term. Nenny says mindset is one of the most important aspects to consider before starting out in the property investing game. According to him, what holds many people back from initially investing property is the uncertainty and fear that comes with not knowing what to do. I find that with my clients as well that there's a, there's a feeling that you've got to do something but just not knowing what it is that you've got to do and, and that in itself, you know, well, I guess yeah, there's fear involved and there's all different things that happen and a lot of people you understand that uh, everyone's a real estate um, uh, expert or advisor, <laughs> you know, in life. You know, uh, and the more barbecues I, I attend now, you know, uh, people will ask me because they know who I am, and they'll sort of go, "Hey, what do you think this year, or what should I do, or whatever else?" And there's always I start telling them what I what I think, and then there's always someone that will jump in and and, and start to sort of give more advice, you know. And the people around me who know who I am or whatever else might, you know, they always have a laugh. At me with me and sort of go or at me and say, um, yeah, you know, everyone's a real estate expert. What helped to condition his own mindset was to surround himself with brilliant mentors with entrepreneurial ways of thinking. One of the, the, the biggest parts of, I guess, what I've, what I've done and um, I guess uh, what, what really kicked me off was having great mentors around me and those mentors um, have amazing portfolios. They're, they're very smart guys who um, who basically, I guess, uh, worked it out. And, and one of them always says, you know, uh, it's it, life is all about, you know, you get hit with a challenge and you just got to work it out. And one of those is financial stability. And and a lot of people don't work it out. So uh, the word entrepreneur gets thrown around these days. Like, you know, uh, I watch you know, my wife watches a bit of reality TV where everyone's. You know, when, when they when they join, like on the Bachelor or something, they're an entrepreneur. You know? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But but when they get asked, you know, what what is, what is it that they're entre- entrepreneurial about? Oh, it's just that it's who I am. <laughs> okay, but what have you done? You know. <laughs> and I think uh, the biggest for me, an entrepreneur is someone who's actually, yeah, worked it out as far as um, financially, and said, well, you know, I worked out how to make money without, 
uh, my time. In other words, my money makes me money, and that's the point. Yeah, and to be able to generate passive income from that as well too. Absolutely. When that when that penny drops and you finally realize that in life you're really going to be a slave to your job, um, which which also makes it that you don't enjoy your job as much because if you're a slave to it, it you know, you've got to get up every day and you have to show up. Then you soon realize that, um, hey, it's better to do something that I really love if I don't really have to. And that's, that becomes really cool. So if you can work that out and realize that it's either you getting up every day and making a lot of money or what's your money actually doing? Because a lot of people are sitting on, especially in Sydney after the boom, sitting on a lot of equity. And, uh, and when I show up and I meet, you know, my, my potential clients are all in their 40s and 50s in, in that regard and they're sitting on a lot of equity, you know, a million dollars, two million dollars worth of equity, their money sits at home every day whilst they get up every morning and go to work and they don't do anything about it. And I say, well, why don't we get that money to start working for you? And that, that's, that's the big shift. Nanny's mentor, business partner and friend from Hardcourts had a great impact on how he developed his property portfolio, which provided him with a plan that he continues to live by today. So um, I was working with um, a business partner at the time in Hardcourts that I actually uh, brought over to Harcourts because he's been a mentor of mine for more than 20 years and a good friend and he owns a very large portfolio and he asked me the question um, you know, seven or eight years ago saying, what's your strategy with owning these, uh, these investment properties that you've got? And I said, um, I, don't, I don't really have a strategy uh, or I guess my strategy was that um, I keep doing what I did before and just... Um, because I'd owned the home with my parents, I found that, uh, you know, we're just getting ahead and I could pay off my own home eventually. And that was, that was it for as far as a strategy. I just wanted to pay off my own home. And he said, um, that's good. You know, it's better than most. Um, but it's still not, you know, you could do a whole lot more. I mean, you're a young man, you, you haven't reached 40 yet and you could do bigger goals. And I thought, yeah, cool. So he asked me the question and he said, um, so how much money do you need to live on? each year if you didn't have to pay your rent or a mortgage and first I thought what the hell is he talking about I have no idea you know I mean we earn what we earn but I don't know he said well can you survive or are you happy to be earning a hundred thousand dollars a year uh, if you didn't have to pay rent or a mortgage and I said yeah oh hell that, 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 that that's awesome because if I didn't have those expenses then I could still travel overseas each year um, you know have dinners out uh, obviously run your household of electricity and all the bills and food and be happy days because I've had a lot of spare time. And he said, well, all right, let's work on $100,000. He said, how many properties do you need to own in order for you to have $100,000 worth of income? And again, I thought, I have no idea. So we started working out of my properties what they're roughly bringing in per annum and the answer was $25,000 each. So very quick mathematics, we went, well, if I had four of those, that would give me $100,000 worth of income per annum. And he said, yep, cool. And then he said, well, how many properties would you need to buy in order to own four outright? And, or sorry, five, because you've got to have one to live in. And I said, well, I don't know. Is this a trick question? He said, no, it's not. But you've got to understand that he said, look, you've been around now for, you know, uh, back then it was probably 15, 16 years in the business, and he said, you've seen two two boom periods, you know, two cycles of a, of a cyclical marketplace. In other words, something that repeats every seven to ten years. And I said, yeah, and he goes, well, um, 
every time it goes through seven to ten years, it doubles in price. So how many properties do you want to own in order to uh, to own five outright? And, he said, and I said, I have no idea. He said, look, you usually double it. So if you want to own five properties outright, you want to be buying ten. So that basically when you go through one or two cycles, in other words, 10 or 20 years, then you can sell off half and pay off the other half. And that became my, my plan for the next, uh, well, still living it, I guess, but <laughs> my plan for the, for the future. And I owned three at the time. Then we bought a block of four because I wanted to accelerate it. And since then, we bought another block of units and another two properties. So we're sitting at about 12 at the moment and we're looking to develop both blocks. So that'll end up with probably over well, not, not probably, but over 25 properties. And, and the hardest ones to buy were the first, second and third. The property investing strategies which Nanny implements himself don't differ much from those that he devises for his clients. In basic terms, he says it's about buying and holding properties over a long term as the capital growth increases, which in turn generates cash flow. Look, it's typically the same. Um, it's just, um, I guess what changes is, uh, well, depending on what they have and what their past experiences has been, have been and also what areas they're looking to invest in because even though I'll say to them, you know, I think you should invest here, hey, they've got to feel comfortable and I can only advise or suggest it's really their journey, not mine. But I know that um, probably 80% of the time they'll, they'll follow me and say, yeah, that sounds great, let's go with that. Um, the strategy doesn't change that much. I mean, you can read, I think you can read a lot of books on the subject and and I have and and Generally speaking, you know, it's all about uh, being able to build a portfolio where you've got positive geared property um, sitting in it. In other words, not costing you money. Uh, generally speaking, they're all interest only. And the biggest mental shift to get around your mind is that you're not actually in the business of paying off, you know, 10 homes. You're in the business of holding those homes. Uh, and what's making you money is the boom periods. And, and look, the reality is, is that um, yes, you can wait. You can do it, and um, uh, there's two key things I think that that have worked for me. Besides that strategy, is that I fabricate my own equity by renovating. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you know that makes uh, makes it so that I get more return on each property, and also it values up uh, for, to buy the next one. And so once I've got something that's positive geared, I've also got a lot of equity in it, so I can then use that to to keep going. So hence. The hardest ones to buy are the first, second, and third, but after that, the rest become pretty easy. But we maintain a pretty, uh, you know, high goals, like we said in the last episode, and, and a routine of each year we renovate two or three. We do, you know, um, yeah, we do. We, we 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 reinvest in it, I guess, and we're you know we're constantly adding more value so that everything values up and moves on to the next one. Other popular strategies for property investing, such as flipping and buying lots of positive cash flow properties aren't high priority for him as they involve high risks. You know, I've heard other strategies out there and uh, some of them is to flip. But the problem with flipping properties is that I, I believe you lose a lot of money mm. in fees and costs and things, you know, and taxes. Um, so I find that you're better off keeping that equity in that home and using it for the next one. Um, the other part of that is that um, – or the other strategy that I've heard um, that kind of – well, it's been around for a while but there's different people that have come along and um, – revived it I guess is that instead of owning you know 10 properties and selling down half and paying off half uh, they end up owning 30 40 or 50 properties and what they're living off is just that they buy them only when they're positive geared and they buy them so that they're um, 
the, the money they're making is like you know 100 or 200 dollars on off each property each month but if you've got 30 of them then obviously you've got you've replaced your income um, the downside of that is that um, it's not for me so I don't tend to advise it because I find that it's higher risk and I find that well, you just don't have the equity that, that I've got, you know, like we're on 50% equity, 50% loans, you know, we've still got, you know, six and a half million dollars out there, but um, we can cash in three and a half. Definitely. You know, or three. Mm. Yeah, so that, that, that that's the difference and that's what uh, I guess lets me sleep at night, that's the point. It only takes one storm to come through and then you end up in a lot of trouble. Mm. Um and I know that there's a couple out there at the moment that are, that are saying, no, no, it's all great, but, you know, they've only lived uh, through one boom and, uh, and you know, there's a storm always coming and you've got to out, that's what you've got to outlive. You know, any, yeah. any captain can steer a ship in perfect weather, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. So, um, so I think, having, yeah, having equity and having positive gear around you, you really, I mean, yeah, I say you can't go wrong, but you've got less chance to go wrong and you can always sell one to – to get yourself out of trouble if you had to. Coming up after the break, we'll delve further into Nanny's strategy when looking to purchase properties in Sydney. So in other words, you know, we make them around $50,000 a purchase um, by buying undervalued. But um, look, we still managed to do it. They still exist. Some of the personal habits which have contributed to his success. Is that I'll sit whilst we're watching a bit of TV, but I'll actually sit and and break down and I'll reanalyze the yearly goals and I'll break down to see what has to happen this week. You know, so uh, I find that a lot of people are more reactive to life and the world as opposed to proactive. And whereas I like to be, you know, I've run a business for a long time, so you have to be um, thinking about where you want to take that business, I guess. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Looking at buying or investing in property, unsure of where and what to buy, many investors in the community have raised these questions frequently. That's why I've created a property sourcing service to help investors like yourself find investment opportunities at wholesale prices to add to your new or existing portfolio. I'm currently accepting expressions of interest. To apply, visit propertyinveststory.com.au. Now back to the show. With the Sydney market becoming increasingly difficult to invest in, Nanny says as an agent, he's able to impart knowledge to clients who are currently looking to purchase. The toughest time was um, a year and a half ago when the market got really tough for about a quarter um, and that was the, the hardest time because we typically bring, you know, um, we cover our wage, you know, what we charge and we usually double or treble it. So in other words, you know, we make them around $50,000 a purchase. Um, by buying undervalued, but um, look, we still managed to do it. They still exist. I mean, we just bought one in December, um, where it was a two-bedroom unit in Bondi. We paid just over the million dollars, a million, a million and eleven dollars. Um, it's worth. It got valued. Or the value came through and said it was worth one one five. So we made one hundred fifty grand for them. Um, they're currently going through a renovation where it'll be worth even more than that. Um, so the the properties do exist. Um, how we do it. Yeah, look, we're doing it every day. So our relationships with the agents are, you know, second to none because they've known me for such a long time. I've known them. I've been a real estate agent for 20 years, so I even, you know, helped them along the way to 
create deals and advise them and teach them and do different things. But the reality is, is that, I mean, we've got a great working relationship. So whenever they've got something, they'll share it with me and say, hey, look, um, I need to sell this for a million bucks uh, or 950, for example. Uh, you got to buy? And I'll say, yeah, absolutely. And, um, and we do a deal. Um, and out of every 10 deals that I see at the moment, there are two or three that are undervalued. Uh, the rest of them are either, so five of those are on market and two or three are overpriced. So that's mm. kind of the, the current scenario. When the market changes and it becomes, uh, well, when it got really tight, it was you know, only one deal out of the 10 that became undervalued. And that was very tough. Mm. But uh, typically it floats around those sort of numbers and then if it becomes um, on the opposite, which Bondi rarely becomes a, a buyer's market, but if it did, it'd kind of be born balanced. So it might be, you know, five of them are, are undervalued and five aren't, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. But, um, but there are undervalued properties all the time. Not forgetting that the reason why people struggle to buy those, I guess, without us is that the second part of that is that you got to, um, you, you've got to actually recognize an undervalued property when you see it. And I see a lot of uh, buyers that are my competitors, they show up and they struggle to, they hesitate because they don't, they don't know the market. They don't know value when they see it. So whereas I do and I know that, that's something that, that I can get a good deal there and I jump on it. Having learned that Sydney and Melbourne has the most population growth each year, personally, he has no plans to invest interstate. Look, being in real estate for such a long time, I, I've heard all, this, all the horror stories of, you know, a lot of people uh, have moved or bought property in Queensland for a very long time and when I say horror stories, not horror, horror, but I mean, you know, uh, only a few horror stories. The rest of them just is always decided to come back. So they'd always go to Queensland, always buy there, and then two years later they're back mm. and, and, and made very little money. So that's that's been with me for now for a, a long time. So I never really had any, um, uh, well, faith in, in buying interstate. Um, I do believe in Melbourne because I've heard good stories from Melbourne, different different times but I've also heard some some bad stories I guess what I learned since then because I started uh, I guess investigating a bit more about interstate because you know as I speak at a lot of expos and conferences I hear other speakers speak about how they should buy in you know Melbourne and Brisbane and all that and when when experts sort of rode Sydney off wrote it off last year they were all saying go to Brisbane go to Brisbane but I started uh, thinking a bit harder about that and reading some more articles about it and what it made me realise is that um, Sydney and Melbourne have the most population growth each year, uh, led by Sydney but followed closely by Melbourne. And um, as far as uh, uh, what creates a marketplace for an investor is, or anyone is supply and demand, and the, the, the problem with, I think, particularly Brisbane and the West Coast as well, so, you know, uh, Perth and Adelaide and, and so forth, is that they lack the population growth. And so without population growth, you don't have demand. Um, and the problem then is that if you've got a, like a mining boom, say in Perth, where it's led by the mining boom that, which, that, that, that ended and which was always going to end, then it means that you've got an oversupply. And that's what I'm seeing, particularly in Brisbane and now in, in Melbourne, that there's just an oversupply. They're just building high-rise left, right and centre. Even though they've got the infrastructure, this, the population growth doesn't it doesn't keep up with the demand. 
uh, sorry, sorry, the 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 the, 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 the supply, yeah, the supply. I'm yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and so yeah, and so that that's the problem, and this is the problem that Sydney will face this year, I think, as well. That you know we. It always happens at the tail end of the boom. Mm. What finishes the boom is an oversupply, and that's what you're about to see in Sydney as well. But it hasn't been that case just because of population growth and the Chinese buying in, in Sydney has been so that the demand has been far outweighing the supply. Yeah. Um, and that's why I, I, I haven't and I don't see myself ever leaving Sydney. While it may seem wise to place all his eggs in one basket, keeping his investments in Sydney has worked out for him and many other investors. Funny enough, it's not deterred a lot of people. In fact, it motivates them more to come into it. Um, so, I mean, affordability um, till till recently was there still, you know, around four and a half percent. So it's still been fairly affordable because our wages obviously kept up with with demand. Having having said that, um, you look at you look at uh, at Sydney, and I guess it's hard to just talk about Sydney because Sydney is broken up into three or four different marketplaces. Um, and so, whenever you hear reports of Sydney, you got to think, well, hang on, what's driving that? So you've got the east, you've got the blue blue ribbon areas of the North Shore, and that, and then you've got the other tiers that are working alongside, um, and then you've got the west. So there's a lot of different marketplaces happening in different demographics. Um, the other thing to think of is, you know, as far as putting all eggs in one basket is that you know, I've got investors, particularly one guy that owns, you know, 35, 40 one-bedroom units around Darlinghurst and Potts Point. And a lot of people have said to him over the last 30, 40 years, why don't you diversify? <laughs> but um, <laughs> this has kind of worked out for him, you know. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. Exceptionally so, around that area. Exceptionally well, yeah. And, and, you know, one of my other business partners owns a lot of blocks of units in Sydney, all over Sydney. And that worked out for him as well. So, yeah, I guess I, I have living examples of proof of guys that have done it before and that's where I'm – I guess I'm getting my, my life lessons as well. Nenny attributes several personal habits to his success including regularly setting goals and reaffirming them each week. However, he also says that having a partner who is on the same wavelength as you both as an investor and in life is crucial. I can be a bit of a perfectionist, so <laughs> uh, good or good or bad, I don't know. But I guess um, um, I, my personality style, but also I guess um, my anxieties in life, you know, uh, are all about. Um, yeah, look, I'm competitive, but I like to get it right. And I guess as a habit, uh, I like to know that um, I'm in a safe place. In other words, safety or security is a big thing in part of my world. So the habits that 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 that, that I run around my my daily or weekly or monthly is um, I guess what we talked about before which is setting a goal each year for, for the whole year and then breaking it down uh, per month and or per quarter and per month and then per week so I run a pretty tight ship uh, and we're, we're busy people uh, both wife and I and, and we just um, we get through the the, the the weeks so every you know Sunday night the habit that I have is that I'll sit whilst we're watching a bit of TV, but I'll actually sit and and break down and I'll reanalyze the yearly goals and I'll break down to see what has to happen this week, you know. So uh, I find that a lot of people are more reactive to life and the world as opposed to proactive. And whereas I like to be, you know, I've run a business for a long time, so you have to be um, thinking about where you want to take that business, I guess. I'll tell you what I mean, you know, 
part of this is also having a partner alongside that is your actual partner, you know, your best friend, but also that comes along for the journey because that's where a lot of, I see a lot of clients struggle with that because one of the two will be motivated to, um, to invest and to get ahead in life. And if the other one's not, it can be a huge challenge. Mm. So, uh, part of that is, is making sure that your goals all happen together and, and you're aiming the same way because that can be, well, a make or break the deal basically. When it comes to books on property investing, the principles from popular titles such as Rich Dad, Poor Dad have continued to impact Nanny over many years. I know that uh, probably two of the, the ones that really changed or, or got me on the right thinking was uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I know everyone talks about, but mm. it's such a good book for its time that you know the principles are still there. Um, I used to actually get up and speak about that book. That's how I first got, first got started speaking, you know, about investing because I... Um, I thought, yeah, this makes sense, you know, like it's all about money makes money and uh, either that or you're making it yourself. And and, uh, and I had a similar experience where, you know, um, you know, we, we're blue, you know, we migrated to Australia uh, when I was eight years old and my family came out. And and for me, I mean, my dad's, a, you know, um, a blue-collar worker, so, you know, um, a tradie. So in the end, I mean, uh, my rich dad was more my, my first business partner who was my mentor as well. And and that's how I learned how to invest in real estate. So I could really relate to that book, um, and I still can. And uh, and then there's uh, the richest man in Babylon was probably another one that that um, that also helped me uh, recognize that if you you know you've got to pay yourself first. And uh, and the moral of that book is that basically yeah you've got to invest and put money aside so that um, it uh, it money again makes money same principle and it and it just accumulates. Um, uh, and if you don't do that, then you, you're doing yourself an injustice. So once you get your head around uh, things like that, it, it, they can change your perception, uh, and it's part of the journey. And I think, especially if you're you know, starting out and want to get your hands on a good book, I think that'd be great. And look, I haven't read them in a long time, so even when you ask me, I've got to think back, right? You know? <laughs> but but it's funny how they stick in your mind. You can quickly just go, oh, hang on a minute. Um, but the principles are in, in your head, basically. That, that's the point. If you'd like to connect with Walter Nanny and learn more about how you can apply his strategy, you can do so via. Work with, uh, I guess, the biggest agents or buyers agents in Australia called Cohen Handler. So uh, they can look me up on that website, uh, cohenhandler.com.au, uh, or on my mobile phone. Um, am I allowed to give my mobile phone? Or it's do up you want to? It's up to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, everyone's got it these days. So yeah, it doesn't stop. 0411. Eight seven nine four three four. So um, most people do that, or drop me a line. Either I have a, a Facebook page uh, called Walter Nanny, uh, Sydney's top buyers agent, which uh, which everyone gives still gives me slack about. But uh, and then uh, and then on LinkedIn. So either either one of the forms is fine, and then I'll come back to you and and uh, and we can help you with a strategy to uh, to invest. And yeah, that that's the deal. Thank you to Walter Nanny, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about his journey, then visit our website at propertyinvestory.com. Simply type in the search bar, Walter Nanny and select that episode to learn more about his story. Also, are you looking at buying property in 2018? Would you like expert tips and advice on the best ways you can purchase property? Whether you're a new or experienced investor, learn from the experts by downloading the Property Investment Buying Handbook. It contains the best tips and advice from 37 of Australia's leading property experts. Simply visit propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to get your copy right now.
Thanks for listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.